Hello, everyone. I would begin as I normally do, with some pleasantries. I would normally ask you how you are, and regret not being able to hear the answer. I would normally do that, but tonight, I'm a little too preoccupied to do that. And so, why pretend? I don't think that there should be any pretending between us. There is too much distance. The distance of time, of location, of reality and fiction. So with all that already standing in our way, I think I should keep everything else as straightforward and honest as possible. And if small talk isn't the answer this week, then I'm not going to pretend that it is in the name of some kind of etiquette. I think we know each other well enough to move beyond that. Don't you? So, all that being said, today I will begin with the card I've drawn for this week. Because I'm not going to tell you a story. Not a usual kind of story, anyway. Just... just a story about me. Four episodes ago I expressed frustration at the fact that I drew the Ace of Cups reversed. Again from my tarot deck. The first time I did so, I told you a story. The second time I did, I told you about my life. A dream of mine. A newfound sense of purpose and community with strange humans who wander into my domain. And I think I said that I hoped the Ace of Cups would turn itself right side up and allow itself to be filled again. I think I said that. Because the Ace of Cups, when it is reversed, is emptiness and catastrophe, essentially. Well, this week, I sat down in my forest. I sat down across from my bright and dangerous companion, blazing as gently as he possibly could so as not to pose a risk to me or my cards. He is made of fire, if you're just joining me for the first time now. I am made of earth. I am still discovering more and more about the nature of us, as elemental spirits. But I felt I should tell you this again, in case you didn't know. When I drew the Ace of Cups, and it was upright and full to the point of overflowing. He and I both breathed a sigh of relief. It's been overturned, finally. The best sign that I could have received to show me that I'm on the right path. The Ace of Cups, when it is upright, is abundance. Abundance of love. Love from the universe, from everything, from within. Abundance of creativity. So much so that it can't help but flow through you and out to the world. It is a card for new beginnings and opportunities. The birth of new love in the form of a unique and incredible connection. 
It represents your mighty capacity for compassion and caring. Also, your natural intuition and deep awareness of the world. It is a good card. The first time I drew the Ace of Cups reversed, I told you a story. The second time I realized that, 100 episodes ago, a past me told you a story about her origins, how she came to be what she was. Now, the third time I've drawn the Ace of Cups, upright though it is, I realize that 100 episodes ago, a past me told you another story about my past, a past where a terrible relationship with a dark stranger was forced upon me several times, and I loved it. A past where I was hiding in a million different ways, in a misguided effort to be known, to be understood, in an effort to seem more powerful than I was, to seem as though I didn't care as much as I did, to close myself off and prevent anything from growing within my little black heart that could be hurt. I can't do that again. Because you know as much as I know about my past now. This is a new me. And I'm not interested in looking back anymore. I've done all the looking back I need to. And now, I need to move forward. New beginnings. I think I'm ready for them. I think I am done with pain, with fear, and with hiding. Are you? I'm going to tell you a story that you might remember. If you don't, please don't worry. Please just take the story as it comes. Let it take you somewhere. It's somewhere frightful and strange. But then again, so am I. And you are safe with me, aren't you? Let me take you to this place. I am walking down an old dirt road. It looks unlike any place that I can identify on one of your maps. I think that I once imagined it to be a rural countryside in ancient Rome, perhaps. But I long ago learned to let go of naming people, places, and things. Because it does not matter. You are here, imagining this place. And I want it to be whatever you want it to be. Just imagine a warm, orange sunset, and overgrown wild green grass, and a dirt road. A long dirt road. Imagine that you are me, if you like. Look down and see your feet. My feet. Green and covered with reddish-brown dirt. 
They aren't quite human, these feet. They're a little too big, a little too bony, a little too dexterous, sharp as an eagle's talons, but soft and careful as a lion's paws. As I take each step, you feel the soft dirt under your foot, too. Because right now, my feet are your feet, remember. Because I want you to feel the story. The sun is setting, but you are not afraid. The sun is setting, and it is setting right in front of your eyes. You need to raise a hand to cover your eyes for a moment as you look towards the horizon. The hand that comes up to your face is also large and bony and green. Fingers that are long and a little crooked. Some knuckles have a little green weed growing from them. One perhaps even has a little yellow flower. You know this about me. I am the host of many growing things, for I am a growing thing too. So are you, my friend. And as you shield your eyes from the sun setting in front of you, you see the silhouette of a tower. Hmm. Yes. I told you there was a tower. I told you ten episodes ago. I told you over a hundred episodes ago. But there it is again. It is solitary and tall with nothing surrounding it. It is crumbling. It is a ruin even in this place without time. It is ancient. I walk towards it, which is to say that you are also walking towards it. You feel the warmth of the sun on my green skin. You can feel that with me. But that warmth is slipping from us as the sun sets and the sky grows dark, finally. But you are not afraid. How can you be afraid? when the warmth of the sun and the singing of birds are replaced by the sweet, cool breeze, the sight of twinkling stars, the symphony of the crickets. The summer is almost gone, my friend, and soon the night will be too cold for all of these things. For now, I would like you to take them for all they are worth. You can do it through me, if you like. As you approach the tower, you see the moon behind it. And the moon is waning tonight. It is the perfect time to let go. To release something. To banish what does not serve you. As we approach the tower, perhaps you ought to think about what you want to banish. To release to let go. As you walk, we feel finally, perhaps, a little afraid. The tower, you see, represents a great darkness in my past. A great change. A significant and terrible event. 
even though it made me what I am at the time, and I needed to be that at the time. I am now something else, and I fear that what lies in this tower will change me once more into something dark. Not something evil, not something bad, but something that is but a shadow of what I truly can be. You don't want to be only a shadow of what your possibility is, either, do you not? Well, there it is. Now we understand each other. And yet we keep walking. Together. If we were side by side, I could hold your hand if you were afraid. But we are not. You are seeing this through my eyes. Don't worry. I'm still with you. I reach up and begin to climb. The stones are a little loose, dangerously so, but I know that if I fall, I will simply put myself together again, just like some nursery rhyme I never liked. The higher we climb, the farther away the sound of the crickets, the stronger the breeze blowing by our ears. The closer that waning moon grows. We do not stumble into the tower as we did last time. We merely step in through a window. A window that was not there before. The place is completely dark. I don't know if it was the first time we came here. It had been lived in. If you recall, this tower has no stairs and no entryway. It has one room, right at its highest point. It is meant to contain someone, to lock something away. Let's walk into the center of the room. I know that we cannot see, but I promise we will not bump into anything. We will not fall. My eyes can see in the dark, remember? Even if yours cannot. Don't be afraid. I won't steer you wrong. As we approach, a little light begins to glow. Faintly, very faintly at first, but warmer and brighter the closer we come. It is a candle but it did not spark itself into life, no. The flame began small, almost unnoticeable, and now it grows. And as it grows, you and I can see ahead of us two yellow eyes, glowing right in front of us. It's all right to be afraid, but don't stay afraid because we soon realize that those two points of light are only my eyes reflecting the candlelight, visible across from us in a mirror. Ah, that's right. This place has many mirrors all around us. More candles soon join in, and we're surrounded by a warm orange glow. Perhaps a little too welcoming, 
a little too obvious an attempt to be comforting. But it works. It is comforting. And you feel the same sense of calm that I do as we see my reflection in the mirror. I am used to it now, since I have been making more of an attempt at being pleasing to both myself and to the humans who might cross my path. Perhaps pleasing isn't the right word. Perhaps I mean to say that I do not want to be frightening. Not overly so, anyway. In the reflection you see my moss-green skin, my hair the color of dirt and leaves, the texture of dirt and leaves, but braided and twined with bright little flowers, my yellow eyes, my blood-red fingertips, the little flowers and plants along my body, growing as we speak, in front of both of our eyes. I smile and wave at you. Do not fear. Even as my face is replaced with another. Even as a human woman, like me, and yet entirely unlike me, appears in the reflection. She mostly wears black. She has glass in front of her eyes because she has difficulty seeing without it. She has a strange, alert sort of fear behind her crooked smile. She waves at both of us. I hear the click-clack tip-tap again. That sound that's been haunting me since we began here again ten episodes ago. Can you hear it? No, I think it's just been something that I can hear. Only me. Hi, she says. Hello, I reply. This is Kristen. She writes these stories. She appeared to you several times last season. She spoke with you many times. She was... Despairing and confused and afraid. She knew she was a part of the story, but she wasn't quite the protagonist. She was not entirely the narrator. And yet she was. She admitted to being so. While still hiding. She was the ghost that haunted season one. She has come here to see you and me. She has lit the candles in the place and welcomed us. But she is in the mirror. Because the fact of the matter, my dear friends, is this. I didn't tell you until the end of my journey, in my past life, that, of course, she is me. I am Kristen. I am the writer. I am the narrator. I am this podcast. I am this world. The more I deny it, the more selfish I become. And so I think, right away, it's important for me to let that go. 
It's important for me to let her exist and yet not be obsessed with her and her story. She is no empress. She is no magician. She is no fool. She is simply me. And I have come here so that my purpose can become unified, crystallized. I've come here because the Ace of Cups has filled me, Kristen, with courage and acceptance of myself and my story and my destiny. I had to separate the two last season because I did not want to be an egotistical creature of darkness, pride-filled and afraid. This season, I feel that I am whole. I feel that I am good. I feel that I am as much everything and nothing as anyone else. I am the world. But so are you. And so, I am letting go of this facade. I told you last season that I discovered my name, but I was not going to tell you. Did you guess it, then? I was trying to deny it. I didn't want you to know. Obviously, it's Kristen. I don't think I can be whole without admitting that. Not literally. This show cannot be me, literally, because I am a person and not a podcast. But in perhaps the most real sense there is, this show is me. And by admitting that this time, this season, this episode, I think I can let go of all those things keeping me from being what the universe requires me to be. So, let's eliminate the false boundary between writer and narrator. Do you hear that music? I wrote it too. Because you are in my tower and in my story and in my podcast. I'm going to tell you things that are wondrous and magical and entirely fictional. But that does not mean that this world is not real. At least, not for these 30 minutes or so. 100 episodes ago, I revealed some history or other. My history. But it was simply another story. But this isn't just a story. This is my life. And so I'm going to let go of this tower. It was a place where I trapped myself last time where I became something I detested last time. But worst of all, it was a fictional place where I decided to allow someone else to turn me into something that I did not want to be. I don't wish that anymore. I don't wish to do that to anyone else anymore. I think we should tear it down. What do you think? 
let's tear it down. The reflection of Kristen in the mirror smiles once more, and then turns again into the powerful, dryad-like spirit she feels she could perhaps one day be. The thing that is me and my voice. That is what Kristen is here, in my world. In this world made of voice and music. Through my eyes you can climb out the window and down the tower with me. We can get to a safe distance. How clear and beautiful the night sky is. How fearless we are outside in the night air. In this world made of voice and music. Despite the clear skies, a bolt of lightning cracks down from the sky in a beautiful streak of gold and yellow. The same gold and yellow of my eyes. It splits the stones of the tower, right down the middle. With a great roar, they all crumble, one after the other, and tumble into a river. Was that river always there? Everything tumbles into a river that I believe may have not been there before, but is there now which carries every bit of the ancient tower away. It is gone. The grass, the ground, is not even disturbed. It is as if it never was. I breathe in, I breathe out, and I let it go. The Ace of Cups, upright, I constantly feel the need to assert and clarify that it is finally upright, is wholeness, it is love, it is creativity and compassion and rebirth. But it is something else, too. It is a release, a letting go just like that waning moon up there. I let go of who I was. I let go of who I tried to be. I let go of who I was hiding. I am Kristen, but I am this Kristen, right now in this world. I think I owe it to you to be a little more honest this time around. It's nice to meet you. Who are you? Hello everyone, it's Kristen again, 
and it will be from here on out. The thing is, I promise that I'm drawing these cards completely randomly every week, and this Ace of Cups is persistent. But seeing it pulled the right side up this week was, I think, a huge blessing. So I had to make this episode about me. I hope you enjoyed it. So without further ado, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of On a Dark, Cold Night. My name is Kristen Zaza, and I am the writer, the narrator, the composer, producer, etc. behind the show. How are you? I hope you're staying well out there. Thank you for listening to me, especially tonight. I would like to thank some wonderful new patrons of the show. First, a big thanks to Kendra B., who supported us on coffee.com. Next, big thanks going out to my new patrons on patreon.com. This includes Audio Drama Rama, Michelle Heather Cohen, and Matthew Cohen. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. It really means so much to me. If you'd like to donate, as Kendra B. did, by buying me a coffee, you can head over to ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight to learn more. And if you want to become a patron of the show every month, like Audio Drama Rama, Michelle, and Matthew, you can visit me at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight, where every patron receives access to my ever-growing soundtrack of the show. Also, I have t-shirts and hoodies available for purchase at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. I'm also sending a warm thanks to Kel Bell of Boston, who left me a very lovely five-star review on iTunes, and to the great Justini, who left me a very lovely five-star review on podknife.com. Thank you both so much for sharing your kind words about the show. If you'd like to support like Cal Bell of Boston and the great Justini, I'd love it if you left a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Podknife, Facebook, or anywhere else you'd like. You can also follow me on social media, on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night, Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, and on my Facebook and YouTube pages, just called On A Dark Cold Night. Thank you so much for listening tonight. I had a lot of trouble thinking about what an episode about the Ace of Cups would be, so I certainly hope it didn't disappoint. Thank you for joining me. Wishing you all the best for a safe and happy September. Talk soon, my friends. Good night. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.